Friday, Friday, Galaxy on my day. Hallelujah, hallelujah, it's Friday. The weekend's here and we'll have a kid of me. We'll relax, hallelujah, hallelujah, and take off our slags. Hallelujah, hallelujah, and sit around the house in our rotten underwear. Hallelujah. Hello, friendos. Toast name is Chad Dukes. And I am burdened with glorious purpose. It's the Chad Dukes Radio Show. It's not Free FM. So give Chad a call. Here's the number. 385-645-5375. It's Miller time. What is that, Lil? Twelve hands in a row? Dukes, you son of a bitch. Nobody's that lucky. Now here's your host, the big silly. Chad Dukes. Charlie Hotel. Alpha Delta. Yeah, Dukes. Dig it. They're about corporation value. Boy, it's your pal Jimmy J back with another free Friday episode for everybody. It was an interesting week of shows. A little odd for me just because I missed the Thursday show because there's just more God, there's just more drama in my life and and then that drama caused me to have to my youngest uh he's gonna have some tonsils issues. So we had to get a sleep study done for him, which is an overnight process, if you're not aware. I thought because of COVID, because when I got my sleep apnea machine, it was a take-home test, and you just kind of did it at home. So they had us come into this center in Columbia, Maryland, and the amount of wires and shit that they put on this little six-year-old was hilarious. It looked uncomfortable as all hell, but... To me, it was extremely funny. Now, not so much funny when you're trying to sleep in a chair and you're as big as I am is not a great thing. And then little dude's over there just snoring away, begging for his life, pretty much trying to trying to get some sleep. It's it's a sad thing, but everything's getting done. The drama that is my life, it's not even worth going into. However, my wife did come home from the hospital. That is a plus. Very excited about that. If you really want to get depressed, come out to a live show. Come talk to me about it. I'll give you all the details. Absolutely ridiculous. This week, though, a really, really fun week of shows. In totality, for the Monday episode, we had Monday night shooting tour. They returned with a big St. Patrick's Day recap. They have Damon Martin on to discuss the fun weekend of fights. And there's a new character revealed that has quite an interesting audio submission. Tuesday, again, it was Shude, it was Gigantor. The boys were joined by Eric Davis to discuss all the latest developments in Hollywood. Dukes made his first pizza pie, very exciting. The Titans signed a controversial free agent, and they go over all the emails in a segment of Ask Shude. Wednesday was another one of those big long ones. It was Dukes, it was Ant-Man, Money Monk, and myself. The Virginia Pizza Crusade, they had themselves a frustrating experience. Uh, we discussed the pros and cons of sending DMs and videos to Dukes, being fat and flying, a drunken opinionated monk at the bar, a trip for hot man, and who should come, 
as well as the weekly installment of the BMI. Thursday, we had a really good Fortress Film Society episode for you guys. I'm really upset that I missed that one because all the movies were really, really fun. Duke's Loud Goat and Lottie Dottie. They go over Duke's movie pick 65 that was just released in the theaters. They also go over recently released Scream 6, classic crime thriller Hickey and Boggs from 1972. And they review Jean-Claude Van Damme's Hard Target from 1993. So let's get you right to the content for your free Friday show. I have the surprise that Dukes has for Hot Man Ted and then poses a question to Monk because there's a third party that he's thinking about taking with them and he's looking for an approval or a rejection from old money Monk. I have for you guys the interview with Eric Davis, the managing editor of Fandango. Very long time friend of the show. Really great dude. Really good movie discussion. You guys are going to enjoy. I also have that pizza pie experience. Dukes made his own pizza at home. The pictures are all over the social medias. Go check them out if you haven't seen it. And he also has a little idea at the end that I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really, really cool. But let's get you started off. Damon Martin, MMAfighting.com came on the show to discuss a wild weekend of fights, as well as the rumor mill for the possible fights we might get in the future. If you're interested in buying or selling a home, there's only one person you should call, and that's Joe Azer. You can reach him at 571-989-2937. That's 571-989-AZER. Joining us on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline, my favorite person to discuss mixed martial arts with, Mr. Damon Martin, editor for MMAfighting.com, at Damon Martin on Twitter and Instagram. Damon, always great to catch up with you after a big fight, buddy. How are you? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me as always. I get so goddamn bummed out when these fights are... I, I gotta say, I'm a little bit xenophobic when it comes to UFC fights because they they screw up my schedule, and I'm sitting there working in my shop, and I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to watch Kamaru Usman fight tonight. I wonder if he's going to win it. Oh, my God, the fight's going on right now. It always <laughs> screws me up. How, when you're covering it the way that you are, do you prefer when the cards are elsewhere and it's earlier in the day, or I mean, as long as you don't have to travel, they're like, how does that work out for you? It's weird because most people celebrate it because they hate the late nights and everything like that. But for me personally, like the card started at noon Eastern and I got done working around midnight. So Jesus. like, that's my entire day. So uh, in a weird way, I prefer the late pay-per-views because at least then I get to enjoy a little bit of Saturday, have some dinner, you know, go out and watch the fights. But yeah, I was pretty much working from noon Eastern until midnight. So uh, I do not like the midday pay-per-views. I don't either. Um, but I did like the fight. Uh, the main event was um, unbelievable. Uh, Leon Edwards, what, what a uh, what a story there. I mean, Kamar Usman was the guy that was completely unsolvable and one head kick later. Talk to me about that. There was so much made of the kick, and you heard Edwards afterwards say that's why he threw so many kicks as he knew that maybe there would be a little aftershock because of that. But... The 30%, what is the quote? Everybody that has a title is, is 30% better just because they walk in more comfortable to the cage. They have, you know, more confidence as a whole in themselves. Like, how much of the skeletons rattling around in the closet from that last fight do you think actually affected the outcome of the of the third fight in the, uh, in the series? I mean, I, th I think the confidence thing is real, you know. I mean, obviously, Leon did have, and I, I think Kamar Usman had this as well, uh, with, you know, them fighting at altitude the last time, you know, fighting in Utah, they were both exhausted. It was a weird fight that way. And then, of course, you know, Kamara's winning pretty dominantly. And then, you know, Leon catches him with that late head kick and knocks him out. 
But I do think that did raise the confidence for Leon Edwards. I think, you know, that's a real thing. And, and having that, you know, finally getting over the hump, finally becoming champion, that's a big deal for him. Um, I don't know so much about Usman losing confidence because of the head kick knockout. I think he can play a little bit too much into that. If he went out there and just absolutely got, you know, just dominated for five rounds and then got knocked out, it'd be a different story. But he was winning pretty handily and then he got knocked out. So, yeah, I mean, I think there is some, there is some real, you know, there's some real credence to that, but I, I don't think it gets too, I don't think you should go too far down the road on that. Fair enough. Um, it's uh, it's an impressive win, and it's an even more impressive win when you defend a title, even over winning a title. It's very difficult to do. And Leon came out and said a couple of things that I thought were definitely noteworthy. He said, I'm not fighting Kamaru Usman again. I'm moving on. And then also, I don't know why Colby Covington is the guy that's going to get my fight. He hasn't fought in over a year, I'd rather fight. I mean, if you talk about box office, if Jorge Masvidal figures out a wee, way to be Burns, that's that's the one that's going to move the units. Can't says I disagree with him. I know we talk about Dana White privilege, and that's fun for people to throw out there. Colby is the consummate heel, and he is one of the best fighters on the planet. So if you're making that argument, I understand that he gets a title shot. But what did you think of there is no discussion from Dana? It's going to be Covington when the champ is saying, look, I think I've earned the right to have a say in who I fight next. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think Dana's comments on Saturday just were so utterly confusing. It made no sense when you look at the lay of the land at welterweight. You know, there's a couple of guys who have real arguments ahead of Colby Covington. I mean, Gilbert Burns, if he could beat Masvidal coming up at UFC 287, he has an argument. Obviously, Masvidal, his argument is basically he got into a backstage fight with Leon Edwards and the whole three piece and a soda thing became you know part of our MMA vernacular right. at that point, but. But he has that. And then, you know, Bilal Muhammad, this poor guy, nine fight undefeated streak, you know, knocks out Sean Brady, a prospect that everyone was thinking is going to be the future of this division. You know, beats Vicente Luque, one of the most exciting guys in the division. Everyone's like just forgetting poor Bilal Muhammad's out there. And, and, and again, there is a storyline built in there. He took a super short notice fight with Leon, ended up in a no contest due to an eye poke. There is a little bit of story there, some unfinished business. And they just completely, you know, forget about him. And here you got Colby, Co you got Colby Covington, two and two in his last four. His last two wins came against Jorge Masvidal, which is a you know quality win. And, and Tyra Woodley who had one foot out the door at that point. I mean, it's a bizarre set of circumstances, and, and the timing just couldn't be weirder because Colby's been out for a year. He's also been silent for a year. He hasn't been heard from since the whole Masvidal, you know, post fight attack thing. So. It's just a really weird set of circumstances. Yeah, uh, and that's why I don't know. I I know it's it's very easy, and it's, it seems to sometimes be in style to just whatever Dane is doing. It's like, oh, that guy's a bully. He's an ass. But I feel like he he knows. I mean, he he knows better sometimes, and maybe he knows better here. But I could understand if I just beat Kamara Usman twice. It's like. You're already announcing this dude that has a, this. This is a guy. You, we're not going to have one cup of coffee before we move on to this. Where are you at on involving the other fighter at all? And like, when do you kind of earn that? Like Conor McGregor comes out and says, "Okay, I'll fight Donald Cerrone," and we're all kind of like, "What?" Like you're gonna, you're you're gonna. That's the guy, and then he gets that fight. Like, when do you earn the ability to kind of become part of the matchmaking team if you're a fighter? Well, the reality is you don't really earn that right until you grow to a certain level of star power, as unfortunate as that is. I agree with Leon Edwards as champion. He should have a little bit of say in when and where and who he fights. 
Uh, but unless you're Conor McGregor or a couple of other you know, very standout people in the sport, in the history of the sport, you don't get a lot of say. I've heard a million stories, and you talk to any reporter in, in mixed martial arts, they'll tell you the same thing. I've heard a million stories of champions who have scoffed at a contender or a fight being presented to them, and the UFC has threatened to strip them of their titles. Now, has it actually happened? Have they been stripped in those scenarios? No. But does the threat get lobbied against them? Absolutely. I can tell you at least five stories off the top of my head of guys who have turned down or, or contemplated turning down fights or contemplated delaying a fight or you know, said, hey, I don't want to fight here. I want to fight here. And the UFC will just say, well, we'll just take the title away from you. Because ultimately, unless you're a massive, massive draw, you know, just like with, with Francis Ngannou, he's, he's barely been gone. I mean, he's been out, been out of action for a year. He's been gone for the UFC for whatever, three months. And it's like he never existed. I mean, he's gone. John Jones is the man now. We're talking about inviting Steve Miocic in July. Francis is a foregone. He's gone. Like, he's out of sight, <laughs> out of mind. So, yeah, you should have more say. You absolutely should. But do they actually have more say? No. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a weird thing. And like I said, I, I legitimately feel for Leon Edwards because, and also this idea, I want to say that, you know, Colby Covington's a draw and he does, he has a very magnetic personality, however you want to say it. I don't know where the proof is. This guy is like a draw. I don't understand where this like evidence is. I mean, did he have a big rivalry with Masvidal that got some people interested? Absolutely. Did he have, you know, the fights with Usman that drew interest? Absolutely. But it's not like this guy is just a natural charismatic draw that every time he shows up, People are going to buy the pay-per-view. There's no real evidence of that. He had the lowest-rated ESPN card in history when he fought Robbie Lawler. It was like one of the lowest-rated cards ever on TV. So this idea that he's just this man, he's going to draw in 600,000 pay-per-view buys because Colby Covington shows up, there's zero evidence of that. I tell you who's the guy. There's a short list of guys that no matter where they are on the card, if they're fighting, I'm like, well, I'm buying that card. Justin Gagey's on that list and i mean the wars he's had the classics with uh with poirier and with with uh, uh michael chandler and then then just the you know leaving an opponent bloodied and battered just the carnage in his wake that guy uh they should rename fight of the night after you know the justin gagey award here you go here's your fifty thousand dollars that guy's worth my whatever it is eighty dollars now every time i sign up for a pay-per-view yeah justin gagey's unbelievable i put a stat out on twitter yesterday 11 fights in the ufc 11 post-fight bonuses wow. worth about $550,000. Now, to be honest, he probably deserves 10 times that amount for the fights he's put on. But yeah, 11 fights, 11 bonuses, and seven fight of the nights. I mean, this guy, unreal. And I'll be honest, when the fight with Fazeev started on Saturday, it looked like maybe the streak was going to be over. For a brief moment, for the first like two minutes of that fight, they weren't really engaging a lot, and Fazeev was staying very technical and kind of staying on the outside, and I'm like, maybe the reign of Justin Gaethje's fight of the nights might come to an end. It did not. Ten, you know, ten minutes later, we're all on our feet and losing our minds, and it's a bloody, crazy war, and you know, we're back to applauding him for what he is. This is just how this guy's built, man. He's built different. I, I can't explain it. I wish I knew how to explain it, but this dude is just an animal, and uh, he does not understand the meaning of a boring fight. I saw the piece that you wrote about uh, the Michael Bisbing uh, taking some crap, speaking of Justin Gagey. I think Bisbing's fantastic. Uh, when I turned on that power slap finale and he was actually doing the play-by-play, -play, I was so excited by that. I listened to his podcast. And also, 
I don't know, man. These are fighters, and they know everybody that's fighting, and that guy's fought some of these guys that are still in there. I don't know how there can't be bias. He's English. They're in England. The champion is English. I, I don't know. I, Cormier gets some of this stuff as well. I think it just comes with the territory if you're going to be speaking into a mic. I mean, people shit on Rogan. I mean, they shit on the absolute best in the industry. Did you think there was any um, truth to those accusations? I mean, do you think that's something that is – commonplace when guys are calling fights, especially with guys they train with? I mean, there are, listen, do I, do I believe there have been biases in the past? Absolutely. I do. There, I do. But I don't think it's a bias in the sense of they're, they're doing it as a way to harm a fighter or anything like that. It, it's naturally, I remember when Sean Brady was fighting Bilal Muhammad and Paul Felder was calling the fight. Paul Felder trains and knows both guys very well. And you could tell during his commentary, it was kind of breaking his heart that these two guys were fighting each other and then to watch Sean Brady get knocked out, it was tough because if you go back and listen to Paul Felder, Paul Felder was one of the guys, you know, banging the drum for Sean Brady coming in because they both came up in Philadelphia. They came in the same gym. Uh, it's understandable. And, and there's a certain level of that emotion we want from these guys. You know, there's a certain level of insight when Islam Makachev is fighting or certain guys from American Kickboxing Academy are fighting. We get better insight because Daniel Cormier knows these guys so well. There are going to be some slight biases, but do I think it's egregious? Do I think these guys are going out of their way to build up one guy or tear down another? I don't. Michael Bisping is a consummate professional. The guy's incredible at his job. I listen to the commentary, and there have been times at the end of a broadcast where I'm like, what were they watching? I did not get that sense at all on Saturday night. And I understand Justin Gaethje, Kamar Usman's one of his main training partners. They're close friends. They're super, super tight, and he's going to be a little more critical. I get that. I understand that. But I didn't hear anything that was like crazy bias towards or for or against anybody from this being on Saturday night. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, all right, a couple quick hitters about some big names. Uh, there was a report about a week ago that Francis Ngannou was closer to signing with a promotion. I think one was the PFL. Um, I don't remember if it was Bellator or who the other one was. Um, is there any progress there? That sounds. It feels like that's going very slowly right now. Yeah, it was. It was. It was PFL and one championship, the okay. organization over in Asia. And I haven't heard anything really, you know, concrete about anything. I think. I think Francis wants to get his boxing deal locked down before he does anything else. And I know he's talking about the Deontay Wilder fight. That's the one I suggested from day one as the fight he should look to get. Uh, looks like maybe that's going to become real. So I think that's probably more likely uh, that we'll hear that first. But you know, Francis does a lot of this on his own right now. He doesn't really have a manager. So I think he's just kind of taking his time and, and getting the right advice and, and doing the right thing. So we could hear something in the near future, uh, but he's not going to be fighting in MMA for probably another year because, you know, if he does this boxing match with Deontay Wilder in, let's say, July or August, just hypothetically, He's going to take the next five months to train boxing. And then after that fight, uh, when more than likely he suffers a knockout, because I just don't see that ending well for Francis, yeah. uh, then, you know, he's going to probably take off a few more months. So we're probably talking, even if he signs tomorrow, he's probably not going to be fighting in MMA again until 2024. What, what's going on with McGregor and Chandler? I saw the face-off photos and, you know, he's promoting the movie and everything. And he had the, the Twitter beef with Usada and, 
you know, he's always he's always up to something. But Dana's I listened to the whole press conference and he still doesn't know when they're gonna fight. And he kind of sounded like that McGregor's not ready to fight yet. And they kind of know that. Is McGregor not ready to fight yet? And and is it odd that they've built this entire television show around these two guys squaring off? We've had a face off and we still don't know when that card or where that card is going to be. Yeah, it's kind of weird because when they started talking about doing the Ultimate Fighter and the season wraps up in August, I think we all kind of assumed September would be a good timeline, but it doesn't seem like that's the case, or at least they're not committing to anything yet. And it's really weird. I mean, is Connor still coming back from the broken leg, and does he want to make sure he's completely healthy and all those kind of things? Sure, but it sounds like he's in the gym. It sounds like he's kicking normally. I think the bigger concern, of course, is whether or not he's going to get some sort of exemption for being in the drug testing pool. He dropped out. He hasn't been drug tested in well over a year. Uh, and typically USADA, you know, they want you to be in for six months. That's the regular routine. You should be in for six months of testing before you're allowed to fight. Now, can they present Connor with an exemption? Can the UFC offer him an exemption? Sure. But if they do that, they're going to get raked over the coals left, right, and center because of what happened with Brock Lesnar a few years ago where he got given an exemption and then popped hot. So uh, I don't think they want to go that route. So I think they want to get Connor back in the testing pool. And listen, if he gets in today, he'll still be eligible to fight in October. It's not that long uh, and not that far past the season. So I really don't know why this is such a weird answer and why they're kind of skirting around the questions of we don't know when, we don't know what weight, we don't know where. It's a really weird situation, and I don't quite understand. Here's what's a weird situation for me, Damon. I care so much about former UFC fighters fighting in bare knuckle. I, I don't know why. I'm so into it. Luke Rockhold's fighting a Platinum Mike Perry. Eddie Alvarez fighting Chad Mendes. And then this dude that Ben Rothwell is fighting is the scariest-looking human being that I've ever seen. This dude that knocked out... Um, Greg Hardy, Josh, uh, Josh Watson knocked him out. Everybody was very happy about that. But he's just a horrifying, like, he, they had this shot of him after he did it where he's just screaming and there's blood and tattoos. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I wouldn't fight this guy with a bat in a pickup truck. Um, <laughs> I don't really have a question. I guess, when, do you do you enjoy Bare Knuckle? Because I, I just love it. I'm very excited about it for some reason. I do. I actually really like Bare Knuckle. Uh, I think BKFC is a great organization. Their production is fantastic. I, I really enjoyed their events. Uh, do they put some guys and girls out there maybe who shouldn't be out there depending on timing? Sure, it happens. But, uh, like, listen, Luke Rockhold and Mike Perry, how are you not going to have fun with that? I how know. Is Eddie Alvarez and Chad Mendez, that's a fun fight. Like, Ben Rothwell against the dude who knocked out Greg Hardy. How is this not going to be fun? Like, just enjoy it. And it's fun. And from what I understand, I talked to Chad Mendez about five days ago. He's telling me he's getting a bigger payday to fight Eddie Alvarez than when he fought Connor than when he fought for the title in the UFC. So they're paying him, too. So on top of all this, this guy's making a big, big bag. So, you know, good for them. It's more paydays for fighters. It's more uh, fights for me. I'm I'm cool with all of it. At Damon Martin on Twitter, at Damon Martin on Instagram, and a whole slew of content on MMAfighting.com. Great cell phone signal, great content, everything great, my friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Talk soon. If you want to become a Chad Duke Show Facebook subscriber, it's very, very easy. Head to the Chad Duke Show on Facebook, hit the Subscriber Hub button, and follow the steps to gain access to the secret supporter group chat and get the bonus show video backlogs. I did something that I've been threatening to do. I still haven't made the chair. For people wondering if I uh, this, all the shit that I don't follow through on, uh, that's way at the top of the list. 
But I did make a pizza on Friday night when Tor was out doing whatever the fuck he was doing at Spider Kelly's. Oh, yeah. Did not end with the driest dick in all of fucking Arlington. <laughs> and fucking getting ready for the worst St. Patrick's Day anyone's ever had. Tor was probably green cream cheesing up bagels when I was uh, deciding what I was going. I um I decided that Friday night was going to be pizza night. Uh, I don't remember. My wife was doing something. And I decided to go up to the store and get all the shit. And you say, well, Dukes, you've made pizzas before. Yeah, I worked at Pizza Hut, and I've made uh, Boboli, you know, shit like that. I think we all have, right, Tor? Yeah. I used to do, when I was uh, your age, uh, one of my um, my prime dishes was I had a toaster oven, and I would be able to cut a Boboli shell in half and make the best half of a Boboli pizza anyone's ever made. Mm. And I would eat that for dinner a lot of times every night. But no, this is something that I've wanted to try for a while, and this is uh, you make your own dough. With the flour and the yeast. Did you know yeast is alive? Yeah. Or did you just went, mm. like, I, Orgy knows all about yeast. And how they cause infections. Um, I didn't know that. And I didn't know uh, what it took to make dough. And yet I made dough for the first time in my life. And uh, I want to give a big middle finger out to Money Monk because oh. he had me so fucking shook tour that I was convinced that I was going to fuck things up so badly that I had no I had no expectation I was positive it was all going to go to hell and that I and then and Matt Burke to a lesser extent kind of did the same thing now he had at least the generosity to say you'll enjoy making a pizza Dukes I think you'll be fine but he was another one that says oh, don't even worry about it because you're gonna fuck it up so bad you dumb motherfucker and I'm, okay all right well that's uh, that's a bummer but um, here's where Ant-Man earns his chops with me personally. I uh, He called me up in a drunken stupor because he was up bothering John and Amanda for free beers up at Patriots oh, on St. Patrick's Day because oh. that's that's what he does. Um, oh, I did, that, that's why. <laughs> well, he was, I got many pictures of him. And then, I'll, by the way, apparently up there uh, attacking uh, people of a uh, different descent than he is and almost getting shivved. Heard that about by uh, Eric, by the way. Don't ever fuck up around little Eric because mm -hmm. your business is going to be in the streets. That's all I'm going to say. He, Always watching. He's a bit of a muckraker, yellow journalist. Monk, I heard about all the dicks uh, stories that you were telling out of the Patriots, too. Um, we'll have to get to that at a later date. <laughs> Ant-Man calls me and he said, hey, man, what are you doing? It's Friday night. I said, uh, hey, man, I'm not going out. I have to work at Commonwealth Dry Goods on Saturday and Sunday. I am making my pizza. He goes, what? Making pizza? I said, yes. If you would like a slice, you can come over, but I imagine you're already home, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow. He goes, don't you worry about a thing, Dick, because I'm getting in the Uber right now. And I said, what? He Ubered from Mark and Kathy's all the way across Springfield to my house so that he could try a slice of the pizza, which I actually thought was very sweet because we weren't burning it down at Oakton Falls. It was me and my chick, and she was having a little wine, and I I wasn't even drinking yet because I wanted I was focusing on the pizza. I have been preparing to make this pizza for a month, and it's a fucking shoot. I went to Williams-Sonoma, and I bought a pizza stone, and then I realized that I bought the wrong pizza peel. Uh, I realized that it didn't have an aerator. I realized all this shit. Um, it is a complicated mistress. Oh, marble cutting boards tour you have to have those because i made the mistake of asking monk what he has and of course monk says he's got three marble cutting boards because he's so goddamn mm. next level with his pizza so i had to go buy those um luckily 
I had all the shit. So when the time came to make the pizza, I couldn't fuck it up. Now, I did another mistake of I had a recipe that I knew that I was going to use, but then I started watching other pizza videos and everyone does this shit differently. And there is tools for everything. There is a tool that I need if anybody would like to give this to me. It's a pizza turner. Not Ike Turner. Mm. Not Evan Turner. It's a pizza turner. Not Trey Turner even. Tina Turner? No, I don't think so. Although, I bet Ike used one on Tina Turner. (laughs) Um, the pizza turn. Uh, that's just something that happened. I, I didn't fucking. Yeah, I, I, I don't approve of it. Gotcha. Uh, Trey Turner got it used on him in the World Baseball Classic. <laughs> I sure. Oh damn! Hi, oh, it's too soon. Um, that is different from the peel in that you are supposed to turn your pizza around. What I learned though is that's only for a wood fire pizza. Launching is the big fucking problem. And you say, Dukes, what's launching? You probably say, Dukes, I don't care about any of this. Fuck you. Um, you have to get the pizza from. The peel, Gigantor, which is, you know what the peel is, right? It's a big thing with a stick. Yeah, yeah, It's like a big spatula. Sure. You know, but you put the pizza on it. Now, what a lot of people say is make your pizza on your peel because then you don't have to jam the peel under the dough because it's it's not a pizza yet. It's sticky, fucking sticky. Dough is sticky. So the dough wants to stick to the peel. So what I've been having massive anxiety about is getting the fucking pizza off the peel onto the stone. Mm-hmm. And the reason why this was giving so so much agita is that I went on a Virginia pizza crusade with Monk where there was little tiny pieces of cornmeal on the underside of the dough. And he bitched a blue streak about that and how it was low rent and who did this place think they were. And you're supposed to use the cornmeal to help facilitate the launch. But then the cornmeal can sometimes get in the underside of the pizza. I have never fucking noticed this. Never in my life. I've eaten. I ate the same pizza he did. I didn't notice it, but he's such a pain in the ass that it got into my fucking brain like an earwig, and I and I was terrified of it. So yeah, do me a favor. Look up what type of flower this is. I, I've spent this time orgy researching the way that orgy beard researches nipple clamps and sex swings. Yeah, yeah. That's how much time I spent researching launching pizza. There is a type of flower called. It begins with a C. It is a coarser flower. Um, that is not cornmeal, but is also not as fine as regular flour. Because the issue with regular flour is if you overflour to launch your pizza, the flour burns. Just like the fire. or no, the fire rises, I suppose. That's what Bane said. The fire that burns is the one that is Seth Rollins' walkout music, I think. Is it semolina flour? That's it. So the Semolina cartel makes flour. Of course, then Benicio Del Toro has to shoot the leader in the head with his family. Um... I buy the regular flour and I buy the semolina flour just for launching. So my wife is watching. By the way, I have an audience now. My mm. wife is there and Ant-Man's there and I've got my marble cutting boards. I've got the dough. I've made my ball of dough. Here's what I can tell you. Yeast is a wicked, wicked mistress. It, that shit, you put all the dough together, like you mix it all up and then you put it into a ball and then it sticks to everything. It's My, my hands look like I was a baby pawing my way out of a fucking womb. It was disgusting. Jeez. It was awful. Um, I didn't think I would ever... And by the way, I didn't take my rings off. I didn't take my watch off. Like, I, So I just have this sticky fucking dough everywhere. Yeah. And I didn't think it would ever come off. I have to do a Google search with these fingers. Find out you got to add flour. Did that. Of course, you could dry it out. And then you could ruin your whole fucking pizza. Trust me. They want you to think that you're going to set off fucking World War Three if you fuck any step of this up. You get your dough ball, okay? Mm-hmm. You stick it in your bowl. And you have to let it breathe. So you put your rag over it and you let it sit for an hour and then the yeast is activated. So it's by the time you open it back up an hour later, 
you have a much larger dough ball because the yeast has been growing. Yeah. Okay? I don't have a rolling pin because I was told, quote, and I believe this is the official line they are for pussies. Oh. Um, I was told this by several people. I think I'm going to buy a rolling pin. Seems like it would help. It, it, it helps a good amount. Have you have you done this before? Yeah. You've done all this I'm doing? Uh, I've done everything but make the dough. Oh, okay. The dough, everything else on the, on the process. Well, I got- without the, without the fancy tools. Yeah, I got to say it's rewarding to make the dough because like yeah. you're creating it. You're actually creating sustenance, which is not something. Even when I cook, I'm just buying food from the store and throwing it in some sort of heating mechanism it's not this so um i roll out my pizza and i put all my my toppings on and i chose not to make it on the peel because i was sold the wrong peel by william sonoma they did not do me any favors they gave me a metal peel that was meant for an uni pizza oven Mm. which i do not own and it is a specific type of peel for that pizza oven they just wanted to get me for 60 bucks where you could buy a pizza peel for like 20 dollars um, fuck them. Don't ever go there, by the way. So I, uh, they, 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 they work on, the only reason I'm saying that is they work on commission. She had, she had absolutely no interest in selling me what I needed. She wanted to sell me what she could to make her money that day. Yeah. So I really felt like they took advantage of me. Um, I have to get the fucking peel under the dough and the dough's sticky as shit. So I put the Sonora drug cartel flour all over the fucking, and I try to do it sparingly, get it under, and then there's the whole fucking rigmarole of now I have it and I got one chance to launch this thing. And it's a it's a small target. It's a pizza stone. You know what I mean? You're not just sliding it into the oven. I thought I had it nailed. It folded a little bit underneath at the end, but I didn't realize that at the time. But I got it into the fucking oven with all the toppings on it. I got a picture of it, and then it came out, and... It wasn't perfect. By any way, shape, or means, was it perfect? And I already have a lot of ideas of stuff that I want to do next. But here's what I can tell you. It was as good of a pizza, if not better, than roughly 40% of the pizza that I have had on the Virginia Pizza Crusade. And I'm not, I say that with no self-bravado. And the the satisfaction was probably more than it should be. I don't have kids. I feel like if you have kids and your kids start to walk and they go to school, like that's that's what I'm looking to replace because I don't want that. Yeah. So I'm probably overly involved in things like my dogs and my collections and stuff like that. But the satisfaction of creating this thing that I've enjoyed my whole life uh, from from tip to just tip to, to tail, I think that's how you say it. I did the bit where it came out and it was a little greasy, so I took the uh, the, the, the powdered mozzarella and I uh, no uh, parmesan, and I went over the top to soak up the grease and make it look nice. Yeah, I got the fucking what's the real uh, quality cheese that everybody loves from Italy. I didn't get any of this Sargento or any of that horseshit. A lot of people they want to do the bit where they grate their own cheese, but they had a big bag of this fucking pizza cheese that I know is good. I should I should have written it down. Uh, but I I went uh, high quality with everything now. Some people make their own sauce. I don't know if I'm necessarily into that um, or if I feel the need to do that. But, man, I tell you what, it was uh, – I was very proud, and then I served the slices to Anthony and my wife, and they both um, – I'm sure they would have been polite either way, but they both really seemed to enjoy them. The dough was real good. It was fucking great, man. It was great, and I can't, I can't wait to do it again. Like, I could see it becoming a problem because – if you get into gardening, one of the issues is, is like, hey, I've got 75 eggplants, you know, other than Duke sending these to Tora on the Venmos that he sends him. Like, I don't really have a use for sure. 75 eggplants. Sure. Well, 
seen stories about people having to explain the, the weird Venmo. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. <laughs> this will be fun. Tora texted me. By the way, I texted Tora 18 things about the show this weekend. He didn't respond to one text. And the one text I got from him was, where's my money, fat boy? And I'm like, all right. So I I send it over. And so in a kind of a response to that, I put the age old eggplant and the peach. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I think you said, I believe your accountant would already know. I think that was what I said. Yeah. Son, if he's your accountant, he already knows. Um, it's a funny line. So uh, where was I? Oh, um, it was uh, it was great. I really enjoyed it. And uh, thank you to, to Matt Burke and the Monk. Seriously, there were there were problems with both of them, but uh, they were more helpful than they weren't. And it was nice of my wife and, and Aunt Man to be so uh, encouraging. And here's what I want to do, Torn. I got to figure out a way to do it. I want to give away as a prize now that I'm continuing to become a, a pizza maker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to make a pizza for one lucky listener, you know, when I have, can't figure out, I thought about inviting them to my home sure, to have that take place, going to their home, uh, an eatery. You know, we've got a couple of eateries that are kind of involved with the show now, like maybe doing that there. I don't know how the bones of the thing will work, but I do think it's something that I want to do. And now I feel kind of confident that I could make something that wouldn't be odious or that they would have to pre- pretend to like. It's it's not a, a collector's item, but I feel like it would be a special item. To, be very to, unique. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to a radio show and you like it and the guy is going to say, hey, I'll make you pizza, that's a very unique experience. Uh, not putting on any uh, delusions of grandeur on my behalf, just in general, that would be uh, interesting. The best barbecue in Virginia can only be found at Monk's Barbecue in Parsonville, Virginia. Check them out at Monk's BBQ on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and at MonksQ.com. Joining us on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline right now, my favorite guest to come on to talk about movies with. He is the managing editor of Fandango and one of the biggest names in the industry, Mr. Eric Davis, back on the program. Follow him on Twitter, at Eric Davis, good to talk to you again, Eric. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. What's going on, Dukes? Brother, what is it like um, after the Academy Awards are over? And not just an Academy Awards, but you had some heavy hitters in there. It wasn't, you know, there's award shows where 90% of the movies I'm not going to see, probably would never see. This wasn't one of those. The ratings were way up. Everything about it felt bigger. What, what is it like after something like that for you personally? Uh, I, I like it because I get to take a break from talking about awards, yeah, which yeah. is which is great because, I mean, for me, the conversation begins. I mean, it, it really is all year long. There could like everything everywhere all at once came out in the spring of last year. So we started talking like right away. Uh, this film is something special. I can see it kind of go in the distance. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm starting, you know, August, September, like we start, these are the movies, these are the films everybody's watching. You know, you start tracking a group of titles that you feel are going to be in the race. And then, you know, you go all the way up until last weekend. And so, you know, talking about this stuff over and over and over again, analyzing, debating, seeing this one now is, is favorite over this one. It's exhausting. So, Right. This is like my favorite week of the year, <laughs> the week after the Oscars, because, you know, we can kind of put those conversations to bed. Everybody knows the films that won. You can go find them. We have them all like on Voodoo right now, actually. And so uh, now you kind of just, you know, watch what won and see what hits for you. You know, let me ask you about everything everywhere. We talked about that on the show. I saw it in the theater when it came out. And um, I- I'm a big fan of having new and unique experiences, especially in the movie theater. And that certainly was one. And I liked it, and a lot of the performances are in there. And if you have David Lopan in a, a movie, I'm going to be a fan of it, most likely. Um, 
I didn't I didn't feel it deserved to sweep everything all the time. Um I guess I'm kind of glad that it did. I like A24. I like a lot of those actors in that film. It's a great story. Um but I just I, I don't know how you look at some of the other films it was stacked up against and say, "Yeah, this is the best film of the year." I am happy there is an, an Asian woman that's won best actress. I'm I'm happy that more opportunities are being given to more actors and more movie makers that's all good stuff everybody should want that but i also i don't know that it's a meritocracy at times because that seems to be a focus sometimes when they're giving out awards like that what, what did you think of how well that movie did at the academy awards i i you know i i was a bit surprised that it won as many oscars as it did it won seven oscars uh, it tied like lawrence for arabia lawrence of arabia for how many oscars it won it won three performing oscars a film hasn't done that since 1976 with network so it i mean this one really did check off some lists that uh kind of put it put it in, as an all-timer in terms of oscars go and I, I was surprised that films like Elvis, I, I was yeah. pretty gung-ho on that one. I thought that was going to win more. Um, I, you know, we had talked about my, 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 my pick for best picture was, was Maverick. Uh, and, and I, I'm not ashamed to say that that was my pick all along. So I, I would have liked that to, to win more. Um, Banshees of Sharon, another film that people loved. Uh, got blanked out. So I, I think it winning seven Oscars kind of did take away a little bit from from some of those other films that probably deserved and a lot of people loved. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it really is a different kind of film. For me, it's a film that um, when you watch it more than once, you you appreciate it more what they're what they're doing. Um, and I think, you know, this isn't the People's Choice Awards. I think, you know, I, I, this is a, a, the Oscars are voted on by you know, academy members, industry members, people that work on these, you know, the different crafts that it takes to put together a movie. And so, you know, I could see a film like Everything Everywhere, which does a bunch of different things, um, kind of winning people over ultimately. It reminds me in a way, even though it's a very different movie than Parasite, um, Parasite was also a film that took people by surprise by how well it did. But I think it was also a film like Everything Everywhere that mixes all of these different genres. It's a comedy, it's a romance, it's a drama, it's a thriller, it's an action movie, you know, and it does it all really well. And I think that's a really hard thing to do, but it's also something that I think a lot of industry people appreciate it when it's done right. That's why I think you see films like Parasite and Everything Everywhere winning Best Picture. I like Parasite more than this movie. Um, and I, I like this movie. I don't want it to sound like I'm poo-pooing. I just, I didn't. Top Gun, for me, Top Gun was it was far and away the best movie. And also, tell me where, I, where you're at with this, Eric. I I really felt like, especially coming out of COVID and seeing these superhero movies kind of starting to sag a little bit, I would have liked a little bit of ring kissing for Top Gun Maverick with the, I mean, it just all of the money it made. I mean, you have people saying it saved the movie industry and it just got people back in theaters that maybe weren't going to go back in theaters ever. Like, I don't know how you get the data on that, but it's probably very possible and it wouldn't have been like giving it to Avatar for technological re or whatever it is. And by the way, I don't like Avatar at all, but James Cameron deserves to have his ass kiss. He deserved better in the Academy Awards because the rest of these movies, I, I don't know if they get their opportunities if you don't have these heavyweights, especially in a time when it is important that, to get people to still go to movie theaters when they're streaming at home to the big 70-inch TVs. That, that was another reason why I was so disappointed. That and I, I love Maverick. It's one of my favorite movies of all time now. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think it would have been nice for those films and, and those guys to, to be nominated. And I think, you know, we're living in, there used to be an era, I would say, where that I think that would have happened in the 90s. Uh, I think that would have happened even in the early 2000s. I think it, we would have seen more. But I feel like the last 10 years or so, uh, maybe even more, there's just been a shift in terms of the kinds of films that are nominated for Best Picture. And there's been a conversation that has ballooned up about more populist fare being included. And so I think what we did see this this year is we saw that. We saw the inclusion, um, but we didn't see the big wins. You know, So maybe we're in this kind of baby step era where it's like, great, you know, we're at least seeing these films have a seat at the table again, this populist fair amongst sort of that in those indie darlings. Um, but yeah, I, I think Top Gun Maverick, you know, if it saved cinema, then, you know, shouldn't that be maybe a film that wins Best Picture because of, of all of that, the narrative around it of what it accomplished? Yeah, you could totally make an argument for that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it didn't win. Uh, but yeah. Into it, last one. I know you're excited to move on from the Academy Awards, but I haven't spoken to you then. Austin Butler, to become Elvis is not like becoming anyone else. Freddie Mercury or Muhammad Ali. Or, I mean, these these are all very important figures, and they're huge. But Elvis is arguably the biggest pop culture figure in the history of mankind. And um, he turned into him and he was so immersed, he can't get out of him. And he's taking a bunch of shit now in his real life because he can't get out of the voice. And um, I don't know, I'm a fan of Elvis Presley. And then to see his entire family come out and endorse the performance, uh, you know, I don't mean any disrespect to Brandon Frazier. I think we're all happy for Brandon Frazier, but I just don't know how you don't give it to Austin Butler because of the enormity of trying to take on that persona that he did. Yeah, I I, I was all Austin Butler the whole way. I, I thought he uh, was going to win. I was predicting him to win. I kept saying that it felt like it was Brendan Fraser versus Elvis and not Brendan Fraser versus Austin Butler. Right. And I felt like I felt like the aura around Elvis uh, how beloved he he was globally. I thought that that would ultimately prevail. But then you also have to think, like, you know, Rami Malek winning recently. Um, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, for, for Freddie Mercury, I, I feel like, you know, some the, the folks voting may have felt like, you know, we're, we're, we keep going back to this well of, of people who play iconic music stars and we're giving them we're, we're awarding them. Um, and then I also went back to the first time I watched The Whale. I watched it at the Toronto Film Festival. Um, and I left that theater and every ounce of me said, Brendan Fraser is winning Best Actor. Like when I, the, I, I went back to the minutes after I walked out of The Whale for the first time and I was like, there is no way anyone is beating this guy for what I just watched. Uh, but then ultimately over time, it kinda, I kind of got back to Austin Butler but, you know, I went back to that gut feeling, and, and maybe that's what, what people went to when they voted. I mean, these guys were neck and neck all award season. Austin won some. Brendan won some. So it really was a toss-up. And it's the kind of thing where, who knows, maybe Brendan won by a couple of votes, and we'll never know, you know? And so, who knows? Um, I went to see 60. If we could talk on the complete opposite end of the spectrum of Best Picture, yeah. I went to see 65. Or is, it, is, it, is the official name 65 or 65 million years ago? It's sixty five. Okay, is the name. Yeah. I, I saw it in the. Uh, I saw it in the the trailer. I mean, excuse me. I saw the trailer and I flipped. Um, 
because it's laser guns and dinosaurs. And then I saw an interview with Adam Driver. He was on Fallon or he was on somebody. And he's like, look, I got kids. I made this because I think it's something fun that you can take your kids to. There's some scenes in there that I would probably quibble with. But um, dinosaurs are nobody doesn't like dinosaurs. And there's shockingly few dinosaur movies. So this made a lot of sense to me. I um I didn't think it was very good, but there's a couple things about it I really liked. First of all, Adam Driver's just he's kind of a, a movie star. Um and he's when he's on the screen I I'd like to watch. Also, um if I was I couldn't get out of if I was twelve or if I was eleven and I got to go see this movie in the theater, I'd I'd be so excited. And I think it's better than the past couple of Jurassic World movies I saw. And then another part of me, and we've had this conversation a lot. I was just happy it wasn't another Fast and the Furious. It wasn't another Shazam movie or whatever. Like it was, it's its own thing. It's its own IP. And even though, you know, you're hearkening back to a lot of the reasons why you love Jurassic Park, I want those things to do well. It looks like the um, the box office isn't overwhelming, but it looks like it's, it's doing better than people thought. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say it's doing better than people thought. I mean, I, this thing is in like the 30s on Rotten Tomatoes, which I was surprised at. And it's funny, I went to see this film and I walked out of it, um, and I was like, you know what? That wasn't that bad. Yeah, that's uh, these what are I the said. guys that these are the guys that um, and and I had gone in uh, with other people telling me, oh, I don't, this film isn't isn't good, and so I walked out and I was like, I, I, okay, I can see how narratively maybe it's not it's not all there, um, but these guys that made this did uh, Quiet Place. They wrote A Quiet Place, and the thing I like about A Quiet Place is that they really know how to use tension in unique and inventive ways, and the thing I liked about 65 is that there's a lot of tension in it. It's, it's a simple story. It's like we crash-landed here. We have to get from A to B, and we have to deal with whatever's in between, and that's always kind of a fun setup. And then it becomes, okay, can you give us enough interesting, unique dinosaur encounters that we haven't seen in the Jurassic movies, which I do feel like they did. And like, I was jumping out of my seat in this. I think the moment with dinosaurs, they, they play the tension very well. It builds and builds and builds. And narratively, I think it misses some, some beats. You're not Definitely. really as invested in these two that can't communicate with each other. Um, but I think it could have used a better title as well. I think 65, I'm thinking it's a baseball movie that takes yeah. place in 1965 or something. So I think there were some some things there that could have been better. But I agree. Like, I walked out of this thing and I'm like, I, I feel like I, I would have gotten my money's worth. I was, I was into it. It's entertaining. Yeah, it's not offensive. And um, I just want things like that to do well because I want movie theater, uh, all these different studios to feel like, hey, we don't just have to reboot Garfield again. You know, we can we can do something different, even if it is dinosaurs yeah. and also more dinosaurs. And the big reveal where there's the waterfall and the lightning crackles and there's a big T-Rex head. Behind. I mean, I just pop so big for that. Like, I just love the Tyrannosaurus so much. Um, I fucking Eric, I'm sorry to say this. I. This is a spoiler, by the way. We're supposed to wait until Wednesday to give our reviews, but I'm going to give mine. I thought Scream 6 was awful. I was so bummed because I love Scream. I, I really enjoyed all five of the movies in some way, shape, or form up until this one. And by the time we got to the end of this movie, the end of this movie is such a convoluted disaster. I almost felt like they were telling the actors to stop acting well. That they told them, just go crazy, don't even worry about it. The scene in the subway is so long and drawn out. And then, spoiler alert, earmuffs, nobody dies. They get stabbed a billion fucking times. Nobody dies in this movie. 
I just, I didn't even know what I was watching. And then the first 30 minutes, 40 minutes, I'm like, this is pretty slick. Like, Ghostface is a badass. Like, I kind of liked that it was in New York. It felt fresh. And then it drives off a cliff. I cannot believe the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm, I'm like a light. I saw Scream 1 five miles from here in the movie theater in the snow. I went back three times to see it. I was so disappointed in this movie, Eric. I, I got to know how you felt about it. I, you're kind of you're turning me on it a little bit here with this with this uh, <laughs> spiel. My hate. I liked it. I, I liked it more than you. I I agree. The <laughs> ending kind of the ending is a bit is a bit messy. But I I I liked it. I thought I, I like these guys. Radio Silence. This 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 group. Uh, these horror filmmakers. They're kind of making the screen movies a little bit harsher, a little bit more aggressive. I kind of liked that it was extra stabby. I even the stabs in it i think they got a bit ag more aggressive and gruesome than scream has been in the past um i went with my thoughts my 13 year old daughter who's a bit of a, a horror fan and um and she like loved it and so i feel like you know these movies they got the young cast at their teenage cast they're you know this one they're in college which kind of reminds me of scream too um but you know i think for the teen set um I think this movie kind of really, really played well for them. Uh, but I agree. I think it, it. I think kind of continually finding ways to surprise people with your ending is is the hard thing to do yeah. with these movies. And yeah, I think you always get to that end, and it's a slippery slope. I think the majority of this film I really did enjoy. Uh, same reasons you did. I like the neat, the different New York aspect of it. I think the cold open on this is a really fun one. I like the way they keep flipping it around on you. So I think there are good things about the tree movie, but I, I think that there are a little bit of sloppy narrative things about it too. Another huge bummer, something you and I have lamented for years. The best scene in the whole goddamn movie is when Ghostface it goes into that liquor store and he starts murking fools <laughs> and has the shotgun and it's so out of character for him. And then they showed the whole thing in the trailer. So I don't know. I wish we could get out of that. Uh, but there, there's, there's about the first hour I was enjoying myself. And then my God, I don't know what happened. Um, all right, we'll agree to disagree. Talk to me about Shazam. I was a huge fan of superhero movies. I have soured on them years ago now. I don't even, I don't even see them now. I, I used to be. I, I didn't need to see them opening weekend. Now I don't even watch them any longer. They're not for me, and that's fine. But um, they were still incredibly successful. I don't know that Shazam bombing horrifically has anything to do with whether or not people are going to go see Avengers, the Kang Dynasty. I doubt that. But the trend of Ant-Man opens up and then drives off a cliff like we've seen that now with everything that isn't Black Panther or Spider-Man pretty much. Um, I, I wondered, clearly this is going to survive. We live in this extremist society where people in Sports Talk Radio, Eric, my whole career, I had callers calling in saying boxing is dead. And I'm like. Well, no, it isn't. If if Floyd Mayweather fights, you know, two million people by the pay per view, it just isn't, you know, the NFL. Marvel and DC aren't going anywhere, but this isn't the juggernaut it used to be. Like, kind of give me a t take the temperature of where superhero movies are right now. Yeah, you know, I think we're in an interesting era of superhero movies, yeah. and I think that I mean, my philosophy is always because I have a lot of people saying that. Um, you know, there's uh, people are tired of superhero movies or the fatigue. That's it. The word fatigue comes up a lot. People have superhero fatigue or this is dead now or this this we're never going to see uh, superhero movies about secondary characters. You know, people always jump to those conclusions. And my my 
is like, look, good movies will find their audience. If it's a good movie, uh, people will go see it and they will tell their friends and they'll go see it. It'll be a successful movie. Creed three is a good movie. People went to go see it. It broke records. Um, you know, and so I, I always feel like if the movie's strong, um, it'll do well. And so, you know, whether it's the third Marvel movie or the 3000th Marvel movie, at the same time, there's a lot of superhero in our media diet now. You know, now that they're doing live action superhero shows on the streaming services, um, you know, there is no week that goes by where it feels like there is some kind of Marvel or DC thing to, to get in, to get into. And so, you know, that much of it being in in the uh, sort of social sphere in the media in your media diet you know, could be like people feel like they're they're a little overwhelmed with how much there is. But that being said, I still feel like if it's good and people like it, it will get seen. You know, if there's one of these big blockbusters that come out and, and it's got like a, in the 90s and it's really good and you're telling your friends and your family to go see it, that's not going to bomb. People are going to go, you know, and uh, it's a stacked March, man. And if you're looking at March, there's a big movie every weekend. You're saying, OK, maybe I can afford to go to two of these. Uh, I'm going to go see maybe like John Wick and people are buzzing about Creed. I'm going to go see that, you know, and then these other movies in the middle now got to fight uh, for that. So, uh, you know, in a movie, in a m- month that's this stacked, I think you got to show up with the goods. And if you don't show up with the goods, you, you may you may miss out. I saw some scuttle on some of the old dirt sheets that people are blaming The Rock for Shazam bombing because The Rock didn't want Shazam and Black Adam interacting and. Black Adam has the same powers as Shazam, but it doesn't have the heart. I, I don't know. The first movie people loved. Um, I, you know, it's kind of trendy now to get mad at, at the Rock about what is you know the plight of DC was before whatever this James Gunn reboot, reboot is going to be. But how much of it is that? How much of it is superhero fatigue? How much of it is when this movie? I believe this movie was supposed to come out in Christmas, and they opted to bump it to this point so they could get it on more theaters. That did not work out. Is this just? you know, the perfect storm for how, how, just how badly it's done. Cause the first one surprised everybody. Yeah. The first one was really great. Uh, I, I, I think the humor in it, you know, continues in this one. I think the, the strongest aspect of, of these Shazam films are the humor and the banter between the family. Uh, like that stuff is a lot of fun. Um, but I think that it's, you got to kind of do more than that. And I think this sequel kind of needed to do a little bit more. And, you know, I never get into the people say it's the rock. I mean, th- those are social media bubbles. Like yeah. that's not really ultimately affecting, you know, how many people show up to see this movie. Maybe, you know, whoever's in that thread, you know, they're, they're, maybe their opinion is swayed, but at the end of the day, these are just Twitter bubbles uh, that don't really affect it. But, you know, I think at this film, it's 52% rotten on, on Rotten Tomatoes. And, um, you know, I personally think that the villains could have been a little bit, you know, uh, there could have been better better uh, work done on the villains. And, um, you know, sometimes it just doesn't land. But I do think, you know, there's, there has been a lot of banter about DC. We do know that James Gunn is taking over and that his reset is really beginning with that Superman legacy movie that he's making. So these other films, I think they're not getting the support you know from maybe inside the studio be from the fandom and you know maybe these movies that are getting less support and you know maybe less people believe in them and that ultimately affects the way that they perform in the marketplace but i'll go back to the fact that this is a big month this is one of the biggest months that we've seen in recent memory and you have a big movie every single week and i think people are 
you know, trying to figure out, like, I don't, I can't afford to go to see every single one of these, but if I'm going to pick a couple of them, I'm going to go to the ones that maybe, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is loving, or maybe my friend saw and they said to go see, and, and you know, kind of loses out. Yeah. Is Super Mario Brothers going to be the biggest movie of all time? I feel like it's going <laughs> to, I feel like it's going to make a billion dollars. Yeah. This one's going to come out, not just does it look good and not, and, and I think Illumination does a really good job and it's going to hit that sweet spot that like Sonic the Hedgehog hit where you have the adults that grew up playing the game. They all now have kids. So everybody wants yeah. to go see this, but Mario is even on a different level than Sonic just because Mario has all of these all these different kinds of games. But then you key in the fact that there hasn't been a family movie really in theaters since Puss in Boots in December. So you got to have these families that the pent up demand for an animated film right now. Believe me, I got friends that have little kids and they every weekend they're like, Eric, where have all the animated films have gone? So I think there's just going to be this pent up demand that clashes with the popularity of Mario. And yeah, I think it's going to be a, a monster. It's going to uh, make so much money in Japan and so much money in America and China and it's kids and it's nerds. I mean, it's just going to, I won't ever see it, but it's going to make, it's going to make more money than, than God. All right. It's uh, Eric Davis. He's the best at Eric Davis on Twitter. This is Eric Davis on Instagram. And of course, all of your movie news, interviews, tickets, everything, fandangofondango.com. Eric, great to talk to you. I know you're going, you're on your way to work right now. So really appreciate you taking the time, brother. Yeah, man, and then go see John Wick next week because it's awesome. And then, and then I want to talk to you about it because that film, I, I think, like one of the best action movies we've had in a while. That movie is crazy. So go have a good time at that, and then let me know what you think. Love John Wick three. Can't wait for John Wick four. We'll definitely be headed to the theater to see that. Thank you, my friend. Have a great week. Have a good one, Duke. The Virginia Pizza Crusade is on a mission to find the best slices in the Commonwealth. To keep up with the reviews, be sure to follow the Virginia Pizza Crusade on Instagram, at Virginia Pizza Crusade. Monk, I have some advice that I need from you. Oh, good. So, I'm going to announce this here now, and uh, say that I know that it's a mistake, but I feel like it's something I have to do. Walking right into it. Huh? You're walking right into it. Into what? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm taking I'm taking point. We're in the Kong, and I know the fucking yeah. nail bomb is going to go off and rip me to shreds, but I got to I gotta look out for my unit. Um, I have decided, because Ted is such a creature of habit, and now he is cuckolded in a way that Monk and Jester and Onhill and all the other cuckolded guys that we know only aspire to. Like, he's cuckolded in a way that you guys all would love, where I think he might actually get locked up. Um, (laughs) when he's in the house. Yeah, he's chained to something. Um, Ted is the biggest Elvis fan that I know. Mm -hmm. So uh, Ted has never been to Graceland because Ted is autistic and he can't... (laughs) He can go somewhere... autistic. Yeah, like if he has this parade group, so he's constantly just going to Louisiana over and over and over again. He loves the Carolina Hurricanes, so he's constantly going to Raleigh over and over and over again. Um, what I found out, his wife actually taught me this. She wanted to go to England, so she she forced Ted to go to England, and then he really enjoyed himself. <laughs> it took really weird pictures. Really strange, yeah. off-putting <laughs> <Yeah>. pictures, <laughs> including one that he's using for his profile pic that is so horrible that I assumed a listener was making fun of him and just put together an awful picture. 
you know? <laughs> it looked like a high school photograph where there's a backdrop behind it's so it. Bad. And by the way, Monk, you can't even tell. It's a nondescript building. He's in fucking London, like at a castle, and it looks like he's out in front of a Stuckey's. <laughs> it looks like the wind is just blowing in his face. He's squinting his eyes to keep yeah. it, you know, just to keep it. Have I you seen a more awful smile, by yeah, the way? I can't tell if he's having a good time or not. I, he's either getting a prostate exam or he's trying to smile. I, and I don't know which one of it it is. Ted's so dumb. So fucking, I, I realized that because Ted's, job is never going to take him to Graceland mm -hmm. and because his wife is not an Elvis fan Ted is going to go into you know when he sheds his mortal coil he's going to go into whatever happens next without ever seeing Elvis's home so I called him and I said Ted I'm taking you to Graceland pick a fucking weekend and we're gonna go nice. okay and he says <laughs> he, was, he was very excited in his defense <laughs> I was like all right great all right you're, so he's keyed up for you oh he likes tell. it he yeah. likes it a lot okay. so he's, he's checking his schedule here is where I need your advice monk do I invite Anthony to go with us <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say his wife. No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, She's not invited. Ted, your wife's not invited. you got to invite me. My wife's not invited either, by the way. It's me and Ted. I'm not asking I, you. I would invite. I'm asking I mean, Money he's, Monk. He, he's a good time. Dude, you're going to need a third wheel because you and Ted, <laughs> what the fuck are you going to talk about as you're eating your dinner? I would assume Elvis. Dude, that's a lot of time for you two to spend together one-on-one. It's a lot one of Ted's on, A lot of Ted talks. Yeah, and he can talk about nonsense like fucking forever. <laughs> I don't so it, want... I don't want to be standing in the jungle room and to look down at Anthony auctioning off baseball cards on his fucking phone. I just I'll leave it at the it's hotel. It's important to me. Like I, I there's too many we're going through and seeing the planes and the jumpsuits and all the fun stuff and he's like, Oh man, these down rush ninety six are on special right now. Boxbusters.org and I'm like, I don't fuck it, I can't do it. I can't yeah. take it. I like it, man. You're right, he has a fun time, but I just don't know if this is the right spot for him. Is what I was saying. I, I think you just look at it as like he's like a, a wingman, but you don't have to do anything with him. Just just you and Ted do what you're going to do. He's going to trail along behind okay, you. Okay, but speaking of a wingman, how do I get him in a, a seat on a plane? Oh, well, I, we, we found out we have that extra uh, that seat <laughs> yeah. belt that he can. Buck had no idea. He, you no. That at yeah. he had no idea that existed. And then you guys Update. told me there's two yeah. that they can well, there, put they, together. There can be, yes. Update. I could buy my own off Amazon and travel with it. <laughs> oh, you're on what? Plane seat? My oh, really? seatbelt extender, so I don't have to ask. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Is it universal? Yep. <laughs> you yeah. sure they'll let you on the plane with that? They've got to. That Look how excited that Jesse is. Like, yeah. like, maybe I'll get to fly one day. <laughs> well, aren't you flying with Adam McNair so you could you could test this out before yeah. you? Oh, yeah. I didn't even I'm think about that. I'm definitely doing that. Yeah. Uh, do me a favor, man. Look it up. Tell me how much that thing costs. All right. Because we're gonna do a service. We have some big boys that listen to this show. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do a service right now. How did him and Adam going on vacation together not not come up during uh, lunch at the I, crusade yesterday? I don't know, and I wish I could say it doesn't hurt a little bit because I'm a big fan of Adam McNair and I like hanging out with him. And he's you know adopts everyone's policy of he comes up with a lot of excuses. Oh, he's great. His velvet uh, sweatshirt that he wears everywhere is is is. Do you know awesome. why he does I wanna, that? I want to like touch it. But do you know why he does but, that? So Why? Adam McNair thinks he's Tony Soprano, oh. and he bought a big white Escalade because Tony Soprano drives around in a big white Escalade, and Tony <laughs> Soprano wears velour half zips. Yeah, and that is what Adam he's, McNair now wears around everywhere because he wants good to job, be Tony yeah. Soprano. So they have seatbelt extenders that add between seven and twenty-four inches of length. Oh, you need more than that. Twelve ninety-three on Amazon that <laughs> works on all airlines except Southwest. Oh, we ain't flying Southwest. I wouldn't worry no. about that. Oh. Um, 
By the way, David oh, Schultz awesome. says steak and blueberry muffins sound amazing. Yeah, they're freaking good. No, it doesn't, David. It sounds like... I'll make them for you It one sounds time. very strange. I don't like blueberry muffins, so I don't... How do you not like blueberry they're, muffins? They're gross. They are, that's the king of muffins. <laughs> Blueberries are disgusting. They're mushy and foul. Oh, I hate them. Oh, um, they also sell some only for Southwest Airlines. And you can get black well, that would or make blue. Sense. <laughs> well, you're going to want to find out what the color is because you're not going to want to draw attention to yourself as that's you're true. adding your extended <laughs> fucking... Because you're, oh. you're not planning on getting below 300 for the trip, are you? Uh, I'm hoping to. <laughs> I'm hoping to be under 300 soon. All right. Um, they uh, There's actually a two-pack where you can get a blue and a black. Hmm. That's not a bad idea. You can be prepared, bucks. right? Yeah. And then you can stash the other one. Like, Someone left that here. Yeah. <laughs> Someone somewhere has to make custom, like on Etsy. Oh, yeah. Those like bedazzled or something? Yeah. Like, you, could get, you could get ants on it. Sure. Like just a little trail of ants. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I was thinking? Ant-Man's logo should be for his cards. It should be Ant-Man cards, and it should be a piece of celery with a smear of peanut butter and some raisins <laughs> on top of it. Be simple logo. Yeah, ants on a log cards. I think that would be fucking... I, it'd be right up there with the Coca-Cola logo. Yeah. yeah. Memorable. Um, do you want to go, Ant-Man? Yeah, I would love to go. Do you I think got, Ted I would got, want you to go? You and Ted have a very strange love-hate relationship. I think he would. We're going to a baseball game next week. Yeah, but that's not in Memphis. That's true. Um... And here's another thing. Memphis has gotten way more dangerous the last time that I fucking went to it. So I'm, I'm a little worried about that because like we fucking to get downtown, you've got to go through some, you know, some pretty compromised territory is what I would say. Mm-hmm. I was a little strange. But the good thing is, is that the hotel is actually attached to Graceland and owned by Graceland. So if you oh. want, you can just oh, stay cool. on the property nice. and they have like trams that will take you to the house and then to the fucking museum and all that shit. So if we want we can kind of stay bunkered down and oh. hunkered down. And they got restaurants and all that? Yeah, they got a big fucking restaurant there with a bar and everything. We had a great breakfast. We had two great breakfasts there. It was great. It's called nice. the, uh, sounds, the, the, guest, cool. the Guest House of Graceland. It's modeled after the fucking actual house. It's great. It was one of the best trips I've ever been on. Yeah, I'd love to go. I love music. I, I admit I'm not the biggest Elvis fan. Um, but even at like the Country Music Hall, uh, Hall of Fame, like I didn't know a lot about most of those uh, musicians. And, and when I got to see Elvis's cars, like... I know a, a little bit because my brother was big into Elvis, um, but I, I love seeing stuff like that. And, we went into the Country Music stuff. Hall of Fame, Monk, and uh, Ant-Man walked up to this display, and he goes, who's George Straga? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, that's George Strait. And he goes, oh, well, that's a strange way to spell your name. Um yeah, uh, okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll run it up the flagpole. But I just, there's so much, there's baggage that comes along with it. Sure, but so, I mean, the vaping whoever, and the, whoever you take from this group, there's going to be baggage yeah. that goes along. What about all the dick and the ass and the vape and the phone talk? Like, I don't know if I want all that, too. There's my wallet and my dick and my hat and my vape. Like but, that, it, but it balances out the weird and no talk from Ted. So you, you're, I think you got a so nice balance just, there. Most of the stuff we talk about, though, is Ted will start talking shit about Anthony, and I try to talk him down. So if Anthony's there, like, I don't know if that's going to work. But you should make him room together. Well, that's not a bad idea. Because yeah. Ted be slap is, fights all night. Ted has more money than any of us, and he's the cheapest person we know. Like he will fuck it. If Anthony's willing to split a room with him, Ted will fucking do it. Yeah. I'm getting my own room, by the way. I'm not sticking with. I've you shared guys. a room with Ted before. He's got where at the beach. He has he has uh-huh. these uh, like headphones that he falls headphones, asleep in. Yeah. With the, oh, this dude, Ted's mask. got a Ted's got a blackout mask, and the headphones he has are not just headphones. They have an antenna coming up out of them, and they go over the fucking ear. <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised and at all. And then he puts earbuds inside the fucking things. Yep. That one time we tried to wake him up, he sat up in fucking bed, and he looked like <laughs> he was out of the movie Tron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what the noise he made. <laughs> yeah. It would be weird rooming with Ted. 
Would he take his shirt off in front of you? Uh, he takes his shirt off all the time. Oh, he does? I've never been privy to that. You know how Ted shaves his chest? How does he? 100% chance. And he doesn't shave his shoulders. Like shave it bare or like trim it up? No, shaves it shaves bare. It. Yeah. And then he leaves oh. his shoulder hair. So he's got all these fucking crazy gray curls coming out of his shoulders you gotta, with a bare smooth baby You got to take care of the shoulder hair. You got to. It's rough, man. Uh, Dawn I forgot is, about the curly ones on his shoulder. Dawn's saying in the chat, at man, uh, I use the extenders every time. It has to match seatbelt type. Southwest actually has new ones that don't work with the ones in two-pack. I think you said that, right? Yes. Jeff Schools is saying that extenders are not FAA compliant any longer. Huh. That's all right. How would you get it through TSA? Like, that's the thing is you got to get it in your carry-on carry yeah. through the fucking... Why wouldn't they want you to have that? I'll wear two as a belt. Okay, that's not... A... You mean three? Three as a belt. All right. <laughs> Just wear that as a belt. <laughs> You're going to wear seatbelt huh. extenders as a belt? Yep, and then they can't take my belt away. It's a hell of a plan. <laughs> yeah. We just got to take it off, them off to get through security. His pants are just going to go. Wouldn't it be great if, if TSA decided to make an example out of him? Yeah. And, like, and like me and Ted are like getting on the plane and we just watch a guy take a nightstick and bury it in Ant-Man's asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing would make me happier on the fucking planet. I, I, I'm going for four ant. That, that's my official Four stance. ant? Four ant. I got to say, the, I, every time I have flown since 2002. You've got a nice thing buried in your asshole? I get the fucking, the, the, we're going to wipe this thing in our pockets and let our sniffers yeah, sniff yeah. it. Well, you look like you need you, to be you need fucking to come over here. I had that happen once. They brought a dog over, and I, I remember saying to the guy, can I pat the dog? And he goes, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, sir, may I pat this dog when we're done? I'm like, no, you can't. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Friendos, if you're in the area, make sure you visit Commonwealth Dry Goods in scenic Old Town Fairfax. They have the very best in local candles, peanuts, gifts, chocolates, olive oil, hot sauce, along with ice-cold cheer wine, and both types of music on vinyl. You can check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Commonwealth Dry Goods or order online today at CommonwealthDryGoods.com. Now, Monk said he was for Ant-Man. I feel like that's a good call. Ant-Man is always a good time. He's a huge pain in the ass most of the time, but he's still a good time. Great to be around. You like to punch him every now and again, but it's, it's fine. I love Ant-Man. Uh, he did mention, though, there's baggage along with anybody that he could pick to go on that trip. Now, me having the terrible self-esteem that I do, I feel like he was poking at me with that comment because I have a lot of baggage. I don't have a lot of baggage. You've listened to the shows where we go to places together. I'm a great time. Everybody pays for me. I don't talk. I'd almost die walking back to the house. That's great. It'd be fun. Be Graceland. Die in Memphis. All right, fine. Just take Ant-Man. God damn it. On a better note, though, April is right around the corner. We have a ton of things planned for you guys in April. Most of them have already been announced. We have a special Nanny that's coming up very soon. You'll hear about that shortly. April 21st. The Pie Tasters, Steve Pie and all the gang, Tally Ho Theater. Tickets are available, tallyhotheater.com. Along with them, it's the Paupers and the Players Band. It's going to be a great show. If you don't already have your tickets, please go get them. The entire cast and crew of the Chad Duke Show is going to be there. We're going to be there getting drunk, getting rowdy, dancing, falling all over ourselves. It's, it's going to be such a fun time, I promise you. And that event, that's just the lead-in to what comes the following week. 
the next week, Thursday, April 27th, it's the Chad Duke Show Rodcast live from Commonwealth Dry Goods, just like they used to record the show when the podcast was taking place every week. It's invite only. So if you want to be in attendance for that, you better send over a message to us on one of the social medias or text one of us if you have our numbers and you better have your ass kissing lips on. Otherwise, I don't know what to tell you. The next day, Friday, April 28th, it's the Chad Duke Show Short Story Hootenanny. It's the completion of the trilogy of short stories. Big old roster this time. It's Steve Pye, Hot Man Ted, Loud Goat, Money Monk, Jim Daddy himself, Buckles, Orgy Beard, The Kalachi, and Smoky Mountain Joe. The theme for this one is crime and thrillers, and you can write either fiction or nonfiction. So it's writer's choice. We'll, we'll see how that turns out. Along with that, we're going to have the final results of the investigation commissioned by Shudes Hunt em Down on who wrote Kelly's Folly. I am so friggin' excited for that. And the next day, Saturday, April 29th, all of the shenanigans culminating at Commonwealth Dry Goods for their fifth anniversary. They're going to have exclusive merchandise, free giveaways, store exclusive specials, the biggest day in store history to celebrate five years of you amazing customers. Thank you guys so much for that. Supporting small business, supporting Dukes and his wife. I can't say thank you enough because let's be honest, they take care of me like a child. All right, now let me just say a quick little thank you to our sponsors of the show. Starting off, the founder of the feast, Money Monk, Monk's Barbecue, Percival, Virginia, at Monk's BBQ on Instagram and Twitter. Check them out online, monksq.com, the best goddamn barbecue you're ever going to eat. My guy, Joe Azer, looking to buy or sell a home in the Northern Virginia area or need help anywhere within the United States, 571-989-AZER, 571-989-2937. And for the absolute best energy drink out there, Don't Sleep Energy, don'tsleepenergy.com. Use the Duke's promo, D-U-K-E-S, for 10% off your entire order. And as always, if you want to keep up with the show, www.chaddukeshow.com. There's a link to all the sponsors. You can go to the store, get all your episodes, get your subscription if you don't already have one. It's well worth your money. I promise you that. Check out all the socials. They're also at the bottom of the website. Facebook, facebook.com backslash the Chad Duke Show. Instagram, it's at Chad Duke Show. And Twitter, it's at Chad Dukes. Thank you guys very, very much. I hope you have just a fantastic weekend. The word on the street is I'll suggest Saturday night Bonfire is back at Casa de Dukes. I think I'm going to go. It's going to be a really fun time. I'm sure you'll hear a recap of all the shenanigans that takes place on Monday. And if the good Lord is willing and the creeks don't rise, shoot and tour will see you back here on Monday. Roll out the...